Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. As we enter the last couple weeks of 2022, we finally know what the opening weekend number is for Avatar The Way of Water, which means, of course, we can write the whole box office story, right? Wrong, and I'll explain why in this episode. We'll also look at the rest of the top 10, some big movements on the streaming charts, and a lot more. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank my partner here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. We are in the middle of a very aggressive cold and flu season, and it's not too late to get your flu shot and other immunizations. You can take care of all of that right now at a Carbon Health location. If you download the Carbon Health app, you can see if there is a Carbon Health location near you. And even if there's not, you can use the app for things like telehealth and virtual appointments in case you can't make it in. Carbon Health also keeps appointments open every day for walk-ins because they understand that not everybody can schedule when they're going to need health care. I love being a partner with Carbon Health because they have a mission that I believe in, which is to provide healthcare as accessibly and as affordably as possible. And I am happy to be entering a new year very soon with them as a partner here on the show. So thank you to Carbon Health. Go download that app right now. And let's look at the box office top 10 for this past weekend. Of course, the big story is going to be Avatar The Way of Water. When final numbers came in, it ended up making $134,100,226 in its opening weekend. We'll We'll be breaking down that number quite a bit in just a couple of minutes. Dropping to number two, and a big drop to number two, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. After five weeks at number one, it drops to that second spot in its sixth week of release with a 52.4% drop and a $5.3 million total. Right behind it is Violent Night in its third week of release, a 42% drop and a total just over $5 million. I'll be interested to see how this movie does over the next couple weeks. Strange World in its fourth week stays in the top five, drops 41.6% for a $2.2 million total. The Menu stays in the top five in its fifth week of release, a 41.2% drop and a $1.6 million total. In sixth place is Devotion in its fourth week of release, a 61.5% drop and a total under $1 million, $780,000. Staying in seventh place is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, and that theater count is now shrinking, so it doesn't look like it's ever going to go into official wide release. In its sixth week, it drops 36.6% for a $743,000 total. Here's something I didn't have on my bingo card. In eighth place, It's a Wonderful Life, which is celebrating its 75th anniversary, does well enough in a limited theatrical run for a $734,000 total and an eighth place finish. That's ahead of Black Adam in its ninth week, a 66.5% drop as it hits HBO Max and a $445,000 total. And then in 10th place is I Heard the Bells in its third week, a 58.7% drop and a total just over $310,000. Dropping out of the top 10 were two movies that were only in the top 10 for one week, the Metropolitan Opera special presentation of the hours and the film Spoiler Alert, both out of the top 10 after just one week. And when we look at what I call the road to recovery, you'll see these were the box office totals for this year, last year, and then the average for 2015 to 2019, basically the pre-pandemic era. And you see there the green line, which is this year, basically is right at what would be average or what has been average from 2015 to 2019, although uh, healthily below what we saw with Spider-Man No Way Home, which premiered right around this time last year. Of course, we were not expecting a record-breaking opening.
happening to that degree, but getting a little bit closer to average as we close out the last couple weeks of the year, although this will still be an underperformance for the second half of 2022. Avatar The Way of Water, though, is going to really paint the picture for what the back half of this year looked like. So let's break down that opening number, and we'll start with my predictions last week for where I thought the film would open. As I reported last week, tracking for The Way of Water was reported at $150 to $175 million. So the people that uh, kept track of what they believed the opening would be put it somewhere in that range. We did not hit that number. The opening for the original film was at just over $77 million. When you adjust that for inflation, that's at about $106 million. I predicted that Avatar The Way of Water would open at $140 million, and I was pretty close. I'm not going to lie. It actually opened at about $134.1 million. So my guess was actually a little bit closer even to the people that were tracking uh, what the film was going to do. And this is the second big movie in a row that I've guessed pretty closely. I think within about $10 million. Wakanda Forever and now The Way of Water. You see at the very bottom, I put my probability of being wrong at very high. Maybe I should have a little bit more faith in my box office predictions. Although I'm sure I'm going to get one heinously wrong at some point. I'm really shocked that we haven't had a movie like In the Heights that just makes me look stupid recently. The reasons why I thought this would happen last week and the reasons why I put the opening at a lot lower than some people are the reasons why I think that it was at that $134.1 million opening. Number one, the length of the film, three hours and 12 minutes. If you're on an IMAX screen, you're probably only getting three showtimes a day instead of four. Number two, the smaller number of available premium format screens. I saw anecdotal evidence, of course, but people saying that they didn't go see The Way of Water this weekend because they were waiting to either get a seat in an IMAX 3D or an HFR screening or something like that, or they were going to use the holidays to travel to a theater that offered the movie in a premium format. I think that the word got out, and really the first movie was the advertisement for this, that this was a premium format movie, that you don't want to just go to any old screen, that you want to try to find a format that's 3 3D or IMAX or high frame rate or all three of those things in order to see this film. So I think that there were some people that did wait and didn't go this opening weekend because they wanted to see it in one of those formats. And again, the long tail that we see for the holidays. Business for movies isn't just one weekend over the holidays. It's over really the next two weeks. And so I don't think that people were as much in a rush to go see Avatar The Way of Water this weekend because they were taking care of Christmas stuff or because they were making plans to go see it with their family or like I used to do with my uncle. You know, we would make a plan to go see a movie during the week of Christmas. So there are some people that are just saying like, you know what, I'm going to see it sometime over the next couple of weeks. So let's see where this opening did stack up historically. It is not one of the five biggest opening weekends in December history. It is just outside of the top five. That mark was set last year with no Way Home and it's $260.1 million opening. And then we have four Star Wars films, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, and Rogue One. Avatar The Way of Water is number six on that list. But Avatar The Way of Water was a career best opening for James Cameron, nearly double his previous high opening, $134.1 million topping the opening of Avatar, which opened back in 2009 to just over $77 million. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is at number three with a $31.7 million opening way back in 1991, although it should be noted that its opening weekend was at the tail end of its opening week. Terminator 2, because of the July 4th holiday, actually opened on a Tuesday, which is pretty rare. Titanic is at number four with 
with $28.6 million back in 1997. And then at number five is True Lies with $25.8 million back in 1994. But you know what we love to do here on the show when we are looking at something over a long length of time, a few different decades, adjust for inflation. And when you adjust those numbers for inflation, The Way of Water is still James Cameron's highest opening weekend. Avatar is still number two. It adjusts up to $106.8 million. So still close, but about $28 million behind its sequel. Terminator 2 adjusts up to $69.4 million, again with the caveat that it opened on the Tuesday prior to its opening weekend. Titanic is at $53.1 million, and True Lies is at $51.9 million, again when you adjust for inflation. Looking at the highest opening weekends of 2022, Avatar The Way of Water actually did just nudge out the Batman for the fifth highest opening weekend of the year. Thor Love and Thunder stays number four, Jurassic World Dominion at number three, Black Panther Wakanda Forever at number two, and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number one. And some people might say, like, it's only the fifth highest opening weekend of the year. Well, it's definitely not going to be one of the highest grossing films of the year. Well, one movie that's not on that list is Top Gun Maverick, which is by far the highest grossing movie of the year. Movies take different paths to their box office totals, and that's something that we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. So there has been a lot of talk about Avatar's opening and the fact that it was under what some expectations or predictions were, and that's what's been driving a lot of the media narrative. We have a story from CNBC. Uh, Avatar opens to $134 million, uh, missing box office expectations. A story from Business Insider saying that it failed to live up to expectations and it's putting pressure on Disney's $2 billion bet. And the thing about these stories is that it's not necessarily that they're wrong, but this is a case of history literally repeating itself because I went back and looked at the archives and back in 2009 when Avatar opened, it was actually another article from Business Insider saying Avatar flops at box office relatively with $73 million opening weekend, talking about a snowstorm that had maybe put a damper on the opening and now is it going to make enough money to become profitable? And of course it then went on to become the biggest movie of all time. This is a story from the New York Times. Avatar is number one, but without a record, talking about the fact that it didn't break the December record for the biggest opening weekend ever. And even that article says, quote, the movie will need to demonstrate supernatural hold on audiences in the coming weeks to avoid becoming a financial calamity, which of course it did. And this even goes back to 1997. This is another story from the New York Times when Titanic opened at number one, saying that it had a perilous future. Some estimates say it's going to have to gross $350 million to break even. And the article goes on to say that the movie is really long and that's going to be a big obstacle for it at the box office. But then again, that movie went on to become the biggest movie of all time. What I'm basically saying here with Avatar The Way of Water is that the same thing is happening so far to this movie that happened to Avatar and Titanic and the other movies that James Cameron has done that were huge risks and that ended up doing really well. Now, I'm not saying that Avatar The Way of Water is going to become the biggest movie of all time or even one of the biggest movies of all time. What I am saying is that it is far too early to tell what exactly this movie is going to do because it is a unique film in the sense that people are seeking out specific theatrical experiences. It's also at the beginning of the holiday season, which is its own business model. We're not going to know really until the holiday is over just how well this movie is going to do. And I am going to use my prognostication powers here with a little more confidence than I had last week and say that the narrative next weekend is going to be that Avatar didn't hold well at the box office. And the reason why that's going to be the narrative is that the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this upcoming weekend at the box office contains both Christmas Eve 
and Christmas Day, which are not traditionally big movie-going days. The 26th, the 27th, the 28th, really the evening of the 25th, that's when the numbers start to pick up. So I think that it's very likely that the three-day weekend numbers at the end of this week and then when we do the show next week are going to indicate that Avatar had a drop-off or maybe not even a great hold and people are going to say, see, look, the way of water is tanking. But we're not going to know until we get past that New Year's Day, that first charts of the year, which I'm not quite sure if that's going to be a new show or not, but we will be covering it in early January. That's when we're going to know how Avatar The Way of Water is shaking out domestically. Hang back. Let's see what happens. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I will be watching with interest, but it is far too soon to be putting Avatar The Way of Water in its grave because it's actually doing better, or it opened better, than the first Avatar did, than Titanic did, even when you adjust for inflation. So don't worry about it right now. Let's see what happens these next couple weeks. Of course, another big part of the puzzle is how the movie is doing outside of the U.S. market. We usually do international and worldwide charts later on in the show, but really Avatar is the headline here. So let's look and see what it did internationally. Of course, we knew it would be the number one movie internationally with a reported $307.6 million. The numbers from China were a little bit lower because of the ongoing COVID crisis there, but it is still the number one movie internationally. Easily, by over $300 million besting the number two film, which was Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever at number three, Violent Night at number four, and Strange World at number five. So when you take in that international number and that domestic number, worldwide, Avatar took in about $441.7 million, so almost a half billion dollars in its opening weekend. Not a bad number. It is a movie that does need to do very well because of its cost. It's got to probably do about a billion as hard as it is to believe, in order for it to comfortably start being in that profitability discussion. But still, over $440 million in its opening weekend, you can see that is by just about $10 million, the number two highest grossing opening worldwide weekend of the year, just behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which opened to $452 million back in the summer. Avatar there at number two with $441.7 million ahead of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which opened to $331.3 million, Jurassic World Dominion, which opened to $321.6 million, and Thor Love and Thunder, which opened to $303.1 million. There's a long road yet to go. If anybody tells you that they already know what's going on with Avatar The Way of Water, I don't think that that is accurate, because I couldn't even sit here and tell you what's going on with this movie, other than that I think that it is way too soon to make any kind of proclamation either way. Let's look at the per theater averages for this last weekend. Avatar The Way of Water bringing in $31,913 per theater in each of its 4,202 theaters. The Whale, which set the high mark, the high water mark for per theater averages last weekend, drops over 50%, but still brings in $28,305 in six theaters. It's having a big expansion this upcoming week. The Trial, Orson Welles' The Trial, still playing in one theater, brings in just over $5,000. Also playing in one theater, a 4K restoration of the landmark film The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, $2,909 in one theater. And then The Sparring Partner in 11 theaters with $2,234 per theater. 
Looking at movies that played in 1,000 theaters or fewer, The Fablements remains number one with $743,740. Not far behind, though, is that anniversary re-release of It's a Wonderful Life. It played in 960 theaters and brought in $734,000. A re-release of Elf is a distant third place with $278,000, followed by Empire of Light from Sam Mendes. I don't think a lot of people had Empire of Light losing to both Elf and It's a Wonderful Life as it increased its limited release run in week two. I think that the reviews are probably hurting that movie. That was a big award season movie that really looks like it's losing steam once it finally is released. And then spoiler alert in 770 theaters in its third week of release with a total of $220,000. When we look at the top 10 grocers in limited release for the year, so these are all movies that played in 1,000 theaters or fewer or the portion of their release when they were in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, of course, remains number one with an estimated $15 million. We don't have final numbers on that from Netflix. The Banshees of Sharon for now is at number two with $8.7 million, but The Fablemans is very close behind, only about $100,000 behind The Banshees of Sharon. It's now number three for the year and could become number two if it does well over this next week. Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva drops down one spot to number four, BTS Permission to Dance stays at number five. And then number six through 10 stay the same. KGF Chapter Two at number six. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On at number seven. Terrifier Two at number eight. Orphan First Kill at number nine. And Pony and Selvin Part One at number 10. When we look at the box office broken down by the domestic fall holiday season, this is basically everything after Labor Day. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the number one release with $418.9 million. Black Adam is number two for just another day or two with $167.6 million. But we see here that Avatar The Way of Water debuts at number three on the list with $134.1 million. Smile drops one spot to number four. Ticket to Paradise drops one spot to number five. The Woman King drops one spot to number six. Halloween Ends drops one spot to number seven. Lyle Lyle Crocodile drops one spot to number eight. Don't Worry Darling drops one spot to number nine. Barbarian drops one spot to number 10. And adding insult to injury, Strange World drops out of the fall holiday domestic top 10 altogether. There was some shuffling in the top five for the 2022 domestic box office. Top Gun Maverick, of course, remaining number one with a mere $300 million separating it from number two, which is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It finally overtook Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to become the second highest grossing film of the year. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness now down to number three. Jurassic World Dominion is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru is at number five. The Batman is at number six. Thor Love and Thunder at number seven. Son of the Hedgehog 2 at number eight. Black Adam at number nine. For one last glorious day, Elvis is at number 10, but it will be surpassed by Avatar The Way of Water if it hasn't been already as I'm sitting here recording this show. So Elvis will have left the building by this time next week. Looking at the 2022 worldwide box office, again, not much changes in the top 10 except for that number 10 spot. Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic World Dominion, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Minions The Rise of Gru are your top four. Black Panther Wakanda Forever moves into the box office top five for the year, dropping the Batman down to number six, but that's probably, well, depending on how Avatar The Way of Water does, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is not going to overtake Minions The Rise of Gru, so it looks like it'll finish in either fifth or sixth place. Thor Love and Thunder is at number seven. The Battle at Lake Changjin 2 at number eight. Moon Man is at number nine. And then Avatar The Way of Water enters the list with its $441.7 million opening weekend worldwide. Again, adding insult to injury, knocking Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore off the list just two weeks removed from the end of the year.
This is the last time we'll see the next chart, which is looking at the worldwide box office over the previous 365 days. So basically you take this date, you roll the calendar back one year. What are the top 10 films over that length of time? And it's because it now matches the worldwide top 10 for the year because Spider-Man No Way Home has now rotated off of this chart due to the fact that it was a top 10 worldwide film for an entire year. It was one year ago today, actually, because I used to do the show on Mondays that we were talking talking about the huge opening for Spider-Man No Way Home. So that pretty much graduates the entire list to where we are worldwide for 2022 overall. I won't recap that. This will be the last time that we see this particular list until it gets a little bit more interesting. But let's celebrate Spider-Man No Way Home, which joins the Charts with Dan 365-Day Hall of Fame. This is for movies that were on the chart for a full 365 days and received releases worldwide, not just in a single market. That's why you won't see uh, some films from China on this list. You see it is now the sixth film to enter this Hall of Hall of Fame. Tenet was the first with its $365.2 million global total. Of course, a big hallmark back to the COVID era and why that total is so low. Demon Slayer the movie was the second entrant followed by Godzilla vs. Kong, F9 The Fast Saga, No Time to Die, and now we have Spider-Man No Way Home entering the 365 day Hall of Fame. Top Gun Maverick will also be entering this Hall of Fame. We'll see if we keep this going, but it was kind of a fun relic from the COVID era, and it is also fun to see just how many movies and which movies were able to stick around and were box office sensations for long enough to be a worldwide top 10 movie for a full year. Before we move on, I would like to thank the sponsor for this week's video, ExpressVPN. The holidays are here, and we all love getting presents from family or friends or maybe even jolly old Saint Nick. What we don't want is some Grinch watching us, tracking our data, maybe even selling it to somebody else while we're online. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider and others can't see or log what you do online. Not only does this keep your ISP from tracking your data, it also makes sure that you're safe on public Wi-Fi networks during your holiday travels, whether you have a long layover or you're on an extended hotel stay. ExpressVPN also uses trusted server technology, which means that they're not logging your activity, and they're so confident in that claim that assurance firm PricewaterhouseCoopers has audited that technology. That's why ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and countless others. So if you want to make sure that your data is safely wrapped up this holiday season, season, go to expressvpn.com slash Merle right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Merle, expressvpn.com slash Merle to learn more. This is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a weekend from Box Office Past, and we're going to go back to the 50th weekend of the year, 2012. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, kicked off the Hobbit trilogy 10 years ago. I refuse to believe that. December 14th through 16th, 2012, and opened to $84.6 million. At that time, I believe, the highest opening ever in December. Rise of the Guardians was at number two in its fourth week of release with a 31.3% drop. Lincoln, in its sixth week, continued to expand as it sped toward a Best Actor Oscar for Daniel Day-Lewis with $7 million total. Skyfall, in its sixth week, also stuck around the top five on its way to winning a Best Original Song Academy Award for Adele. And then another multi-Oscar winner, Life of Pi, in its fourth week, dropped 35% for a $5.4 million total. But because a lot of these weekends are a long way in our rearview mirror, I love to, say it with me, adjust for inflation. So let's hit that inflation button 
button and you see that adjusted for inflation, The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey would have posted a $109.7 million opening weekend with Rise of the Guardians coming in second at $9.2 million, Lincoln right behind at $9.1 million, Skyfall in fourth place at $8.5 million, and Life of Pi in fifth place at $7 million. Let's look now at what people are watching through various different streaming services at home, and we will start, as we always do, with the iTunes Store. These were the top 10 as of today, which would be yesterday when you're watching this video, and it is very Christmassy on this list. Illuminations The Grinch is at number one. Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring Jim Carrey is at number two. The Woman King is now available for both purchase and rental, which puts it good enough for number three on this chart. Top Gun Maverick stays at number four. Elf moves in to the top five. The Fablemans is available for purchase and premium video on demand. Those are those high-priced 1999 rentals. That streaming debut is good enough for number six. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer stays at number seven. People returning to the first Pandora adventure with Avatar 2009's original film coming onto the chart at number eight. Triangle of Sadness is at number nine and The Holiday is at number ten. I mentioned that there was some big Netflix news and it has to do with Wednesday, which is rapidly becoming one of the biggest hits in that service's history. Let's look at the viewership numbers from December 5th through December 11th. And you see that Wednesday stayed on top with another massive number, 269.6 million hours watched for a PFV of 41.3. PFV meaning potential finished views given the length of the program and the number of hours watched. I estimate that 41.3 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing that series. That's just the way that I interpret Netflix ratings here on the show. The movie Troll also continuing to perform well with a PFV of 30.6 and 52.2 million hours watched. And then we had a lot of people that were showing up to drink some tea and see the tea spilled with the Netflix series Harry and Meghan, which is going to have an additional installment when we look at next week's chart. 81.5 million hours watched for a PFV of 28.6. So a lot of royal drama there. My name is Vendetta at number four with a PFV of 15.7. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I think is may well be the best animated film of the year, a PFV of 14.5 for a debut in fifth place. The Boss Baby Christmas Bonus, 10.4 million hours watched, but due to its short runtime, it's number six on this list with a PFV of 13.9. Lady Chatterley's Lover at number seven with a PFV of 13.8. Bullet Train, which is licensed out by Sony, one of the few non-Netflix originals that you see on these charts, a PFV of 11.7. Scrooge, A Christmas Carol at number 9 with a PFV of 7.8. And The Noel Diary at number 10 with a PFV of 7.0. And there were some big jumps made by Wednesday when we look at the Netflix metrics. First of all, I am estimating by PFV, potential finished views, Wednesday has now become Netflix's top watched program for the year, overtaking even Stranger Things 4. You see here, Wednesday has now surpassed 1 billion hours watched, and given its runtime, that puts it at a PFV of 156.5 worldwide. That's number one for the year. That knocks down the previous number one, The Adam Project, which was a Netflix original movie, which had a PFV of 147.2. That's now at number two, Stranger Things 4, which has 1.8 billion hours watched, so more raw hours watched, but it also had a longer runtime. 
That's now number three with a PFE of 145.5. The Gray Man now number four with a PFE of 123.7. And Purple Hearts now number five with a PFE of 118.5. Numbers six through 10 remain the same. Dahmer, Monster, Hustle, The Sea Beast, Bridgerton Season 2, and The Man from Toronto. Wednesday is also zooming up the chart when we look at the most watched Netflix shows since they started providing these ratings in full back in June of last year. It is now number four on that list and gaining quickly on the number three program, which is Don't Look Up from last year. So we have Squid Game Season 1 still easily number one with a PFE of 279.2. Ridiculous numbers that were put up by that show. Red Notice at number two with a PFE of 232.8. Don't Look Up at number three with a PFE of 169.4 and now Wednesday season one at number four with a PFE of 156.5 next week it may well be at that number three spot the Adam Project gets dumped down to number five Stranger Things dumped down to number six the Gray Man dumped down to number seven Purple Hearts dumped down to number eight the Unforgivable down to number nine and Dahmer Monster now at number 10 for the most watched Netflix programs since last June Let's also look at the Nielsen streaming ratings. Now, these are for the U.S. only. They only measure certain devices, and not all streaming services are included. There's also a delay of about a month, but it's the closest we can get as far as seeing what people are watching on all of the different streaming services concurrently, at least here domestically. And when we look at the top streaming movies for November 14th through 20th, an easy number one is where the Crawdads sing on Netflix with 17.7 million hours watched. And it's interesting because these streaming services have deprioritized licensed content, licensed movies so much over the last five years or so because they're all starting their own streaming service. Sony, one of the few studios that's still licensing their films out to Netflix because they don't have their own streaming service. And you see here, it was easily the most watched movie across all of streaming as measured by Neil over these other original films, including one from Netflix. So just an interesting thing to keep in mind. Licensed movies still draw eyeballs. Number two was the debut of the Netflix original film Slumberland with 10.8 million hours watched, followed by Disenchanted on Disney+, Plus, 10.2 million hours watched. It was a bit lower than I anticipated for that movie. I'll be interested to see what its full week numbers look like. I didn't know that they'd made a sequel to R.I.P.D., but apparently they did. It was called R.I.P.D. 2 Rise of the Damned, and it was number four on Netflix domestically for the week of November 14th through 20th, with 7.9 million hours watched. Falling for Christmas falls to number five. The Bad Guys on Netflix, also licensed, is at number six with 7.3 million hours watched. The debut of Nope on Peacock puts that streaming service on this chart, a very rare Peacock sighting here, with 4.5 million hours watched. The Wonder on Netflix is at number eight, just behind Nope. Enola Holmes 2 on Netflix is at number nine. And I Am Vanessa Guillen on Netflix enters the chart at number 10. Looking at the most watched streaming shows for November 14th through 20th, The Crown remains number one with 29.6 million hours watched total, with Netflix's Dead to Me just behind with 23.1 million hours watched. Manifest on Netflix is at number three. 1899 on Netflix debuts on the chart at number four. Coco Melon holding down that number five spot because everybody's got kids, apparently. Yellowstone on Peacock is at number six with 10.7 million hours watched. And I think last week I actually oversimplified the complicated streaming situation with Yellowstone. So older seasons are available on Peacock. That's what you see here on the streaming charts. You can also get the current season 
on the Paramount channel. And then on Paramount Plus, you can get the spinoff series. So you actually may have to go to three different places to stay fully abreast of the YSU, the Yellowstone streaming universe. By the way, I came up with that term that is copyright me. So Paramount, you can contact me if you would like to license that phrase. NCIS on Netflix is at number seven. Grey's Anatomy on Netflix rotates back onto the chart at number eight. Gilmore Girls is at number nine. And Friends on HBO Max rotates back onto the chart at number 10. I also do a metric here that I call watch time per episode with the Nielsen ratings. So I look at the total hours watched and divide it by the number of available episodes, which also helps to kind of see what people are watching based on show length. At number one is 1899, which had eight episodes, the full run of eight episodes for that season. 1.93 million hours watched per episode. At number two is a four-episode Netflix limited series called Pepsi Where's My Jet with 1.5 million hours watched per episode. Ancient Apocalypse, which had eight episodes, is at number three with one million hours watched per episode, followed by Coco Melon at number four, Dead to Me at number five, Andor, which is never on the overall streaming ratings. 11 episodes, so this is at the point basically the week before its season finale, 689,394 hours watched per episode. And this is the reason why I do the hours watched per episode because Andor is way off the chart when you look at total viewing time, but it's pretty high up the chart when you look at hours watched per episode. The White Lotus on HBO Max, in the midst of its second season with 10 total episodes, enters the chart at number 7 with 776,000 hours watched per episode. The Crown is at number 8. Warrior Nun, which has now been canceled on Netflix, is at number 9. And Manifest is at number 10. And that wraps up the show for this week. We are heading into the Christmas weekend, which means there are a lot of options throughout the week if you want to stay home or if you want to hit the theaters. On Wednesday, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is the big family movie for the holidays, opens in theaters everywhere. The Whale, as I mentioned, also has a big theatrical expansion that starts on Wednesday. On Netflix, the third season of Emily in Paris is being released on Wednesday. And on Amazon Prime Video, Jack Ryan Season 3 will be released on Wednesday. So a lot of entertainment options starting on Wednesday, tomorrow. Top Gun Maverick debuts on Paramount Plus this Thursday. And then if you want to head to theaters on Friday as you head into Christmas weekend, Damien Chazelle's Babylon is opening everywhere. I'll have a review of that on the channel later this week. The Whitney Houston biopic I Want to Dance with Somebody starring Naomi Aki opens on Friday. You'd think that would be a big awards movie, but I can say uh, from experience they did not really do a whole lot of work to get that movie in front of critics before the first round round of nominations. The Pale Blue Eye, which is an Edgar Allan Poe-related film starring Christian Bale, opens in limited release this Friday before a drop on Netflix next year. Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, which hit limited release over the Thanksgiving holiday, will be hitting Netflix this Friday, so if you want to see it again, or if you haven't seen it, you can check it out there. Strange World will also be hitting Disney Plus on Friday. And then on Sunday, Christmas Day, we have a couple of big drops on Netflix. Matilda the Musical, which was a big box office hit in the UK a few weeks ago. And The Witcher Blood Origin, the Witcher spinoff prequel series co-starring Michelle Yeoh, also releases on Netflix on Christmas Day. Of course, I will be celebrating the Christmas holiday this upcoming week, but I'll also be tracking the box office numbers as usual. And I will be right back here next week as scheduled 
on December 27th to talk about the Christmas weekend box office and where we might be going. What does Avatar The Way of Water have in store for us? Is it going to prove all of the doubters wrong or will James Cameron finally hit his iceberg? We will find out shortly, but it is a waiting game from here on out. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Thank you to my partner, as always, Carbon Health, and to the sponsor for this video, ExpressVPN. You can find more information about both of them down in the description below. I'll have a lot more this week as we ramp up to Christmas and a lot more as we get to the end of the year, including my favorite and least favorite movies of 2022 and so much more. Until next time, stay safe, have some holiday cheer, and I'll see you then. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.